Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey everybody out there, welcome back to Positively Wrestling. Got a special episode for you. Uh, just a little bit of a bonus thing. We've been talking about it for weeks here. Today's going to be our show entitled Hitting the Mark, The Power of Kayfabe. We're going to have a retrospective on this. And of course, I am Tim Kennard, I and I have the heel to my baby face, the brain to my gorilla. Uh, I don't know. The, the smart to your mark. There we go. That works for this week. I like it. Um, Steve, how you doing? I'm glad we're finally doing this. Yeah, it's been we've been talking about it. We just haven't been able to find the time, uh, but finally, we can. And this is good. I think this is going to be a really fun show. This is something, uh, and we can start by, if you would, what is the definition of kayfabe? What does it mean? Kayfabe is essentially the wrestling word for maintaining the illusion, for for presenting the product as though. It is a legitimate athletic competition. Nothing is predetermined. There are no scripts. Um, It's an actual sport. And, you know, there are, there are many, many things we'll get into, we'll get into them as we go. There are many things that uh, the performers and the promoters have done over the decades to, to maintain that, but that's kind of just the catch all term for everything that falls under that umbrella, maintaining the illusion that wrestling is in no way, scripted or predetermined right and i wanted to go into that because you never know uh so, some of our listeners may not be aware of that definition especially if you're a younger wrestling fan or you're right. just a new fan to the world of professional wrestling uh sometimes these terms get thrown out there by us uh smarts <laughs> yeah um by the oldies the oldies the ones who have been around for a long time um that internet lingo then and the fan lingo we throw out there just like heel and face some people may not understand what heel and face means that's of course bad guy good guy in the the pantheon of uh, of wrestling in kayfabe <laughs> are you a heel or a face <laughs> but i guess we'll get started with uh kind of how it was in the beginning now of course wrestling started as a real product um like when it was first presented it was real it was two people going against each other wrestling wasn't predetermined. It was kind of like a boxing match as far as real sports goes. Um, this is way, way back. Um, like, is that the carnival days? Yeah. Well, in the carnival days, it, it was not real. Okay. Um, so in the carnival days, it was, it was predetermined as a way to get the audience to lay bets and then to basically bilk them, cheat them out of their money. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, the audience was referred to as the mark. And that's where that term came from that we still use today. The mark being someone, an audience member who is easily fooled into losing their money because they think the product is real. And uh, so that, that's really where professional wrestling started was on the carnival circuit, uh, kind of the burlesque show um uh, what arena, if you want to call it that, I was trying okay. to avoid that word because it has a different connotation when you're thinking of wrestling, but, um, yeah, it, it was a sideshow. That's what it was. It was a sideshow that, um, that promoters used to literally cheat people out of money, uh, 
by waiting to see who everyone was betting on and then booking it the other way. Yeah. I mean, FYI, newsflash, uh, spoiler alert, uh, even carnivals today and fairs still look for the mark and how to get their money out of them with the carnival games. Yeah. Um, they, they're not legit. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> the, yeah. You've seen movies make fun of them, but yes, they put Crisco on those things that you try to get coins to land on. Basketball hoops are at 11 feet, not 10 when yeah. you're shooting those uh, basketball to win prizes. There's a lot of little things they still do. Those, those pins you're trying to toss rings around, they're a little too big. Yeah, just, a, yeah. just slightly too big. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's nothing new. It's been no. going on for years. Yeah. Um, but like I say, there was a point, though, it did transition to where yes. wrestling was presented as a real product. And it was it was an actual physical competition. Yes. Um, and that was really after the Civil War. Uh, after the Civil War, um, it became there was interest in seeing. I don't know if the Civil War had anything to do with it, if it was people just hated each other and wanted to beat the crap out of <laughs> each other. Um, that's kind of where we are today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I don't I don't know if it was just the political climate or or why it was that time period that resulted in people wanting it to to be more legitimate. But um, yeah, after the Civil War, it it did at least partially, um, if maybe not every every uh, match, if you want to call it, on the card, uh, at least some of them were legitimate, which made it you know hard to tell which was which. Yeah, and I think. Um from what I have read is in the past, one of the reasons it started to transition to all be kind of more of a presentation, more of a a predetermined nature uh, was because even though people came and saw it, it wasn't as entertaining. It wasn't, you know, you'd have matches that would go an hour, two hours because two tough guys, nobody would give up and you, you know, it wasn't like a boxing match. Again, some of the rules were still the same. You weren't allowed to punch you know, in the face and stuff like that. So you had to wrestle your opponent and some people have a lot of stamina and you'd have a two hour match and the crowd's just sitting there like, let's get on with it. <laughs> yeah. It was flat out boring. Yeah. It, it was just, it, it was boring because you, you would have matches go three, four hours sometimes. Yeah. And, and, and these weren't four hours of 450 degree splashes. They were side headlocks and they were wrist locks and they were hammer locks, lots of locks. What we consider um, rest holds now yes. in the business. <laughs> yes. And f- for hours, that's what it was. Um, and, and yeah, so, you know, that was boring. It was and a so four they... hour Randy Orton match. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Sorry, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, interest was, was waning. So, you know, they, they had to do something. And uh, so what they did is say, all right, well, you know, let's give them what they want, which is unpredictability and excitement. And so in order to do that, we've got to figure it out ahead of time. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta throw stuff in there. I mean, much like, I mean, it's, it's like any form of entertainment. It's like when you're watching a good show on TV, if the script isn't good, if they don't, have good writing and a good story to tell you you're not going to be interested and the same thing goes with the story in the ring uh whether it be because of the personalities involved the good guy versus the bad guy and and the the heat that they've built between them or just in the performance itself with high spots and and real like jaw-dropping moves which have changed obviously over the years in the beginning not as 
Yeah, again, no 450s, nothing like that no. going on. Oh, they a had... vertical suplex got wows from the audience. A back body drop. Yeah. Would get a, a huge really, gasp. really good clothesline. Yeah. Would, would, would definitely make the, I mean, that was a finisher. That was a finish. Yeah. Vertical suplexes were too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, so we had that and they, they went to great lengths to protect the business, to keep kayfabe. Even when they made this transition, they still, the public still wasn't aware that this was not real. Right. Um, and they, they needed to keep it that way because at the time it really would have been a huge deal because they were being lied to. Yeah. Specifically in order to get money. Mm-hmm. So uh, it would have been a scandal and it kind of started to become that around World War One when articles were starting to be published about uh, this doesn't seem to be all on the up and up here. This is predetermined and and so it was around that time, around World War One, that people were figuring it out and starting to talk. Mm-hmm. And then, but I mean, as it was when we were growing up, um, not to flash too far forward, we'll go back. But like when we were younger, and I was born up, right before World War Two. So yes, it's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, you're only like a thousand years old, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, which sucks because I'm older than you. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, uh, when we were getting into it as, as youngsters, obviously, as a kid, if no one's sitting there in your ear telling you what's up, of course you think it's real. Sure. You're just like, wow, the spectacle. It's awesome. Um, but like, you know, and le- but there was always that even the people that were like, oh, you know, it's staged. There was always a vehement denial from fans like, no, shut up. I don't want to hear that mess. Yeah. Like, even if you did believe it, you still didn't want to hear about it. Yeah, it was like because you were a fan, and that's the power of fandom. It's like you want to believe, and that's that's what uh, to give them credit as performers, as promoters, how they knew how to extract that to get that from the fans to to make them want to believe it. Right. Um, and like I say, when we say they went to great lengths to protect it, there's people who have been beaten probably within an inch of their life for trying to call it out as fake mm-hmm. over the years. <laughs> Some on national television, which we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so we're after World War One. When do you think the next big jump from in professional wrestling happened from where we were in World War One? Um, well, popularity was declining once once the word was kind of getting out. Um, but there, there was still one big star in wrestling, and that was Frank Gotch. Um, he, he was kind of considered to be the first big wrestling superstar. Um, and so kind of piggybacking off of that, we had three men referred to as the gold dust trio. And we're talking 1920s here. And that's Ed Strangler Lewis, who I think a lot of people have at least heard of, Mm -hmm. uh, Joseph Mont and Billy Sandow. Um, Damien Sandow named himself after Billy Sandow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, they got together in the 1920s and formed the first wrestling promotion as we think of it today. Um, complete with, the, so they, they left carnivals behind and started to, to kind of make wrestling its own thing. The wrestling is the attraction. You don't just happen to go watch the wrestling while you're there doing other things. Right. You're there for the wrestling. And this was when they, they said, all right, popular popularity is declining. Um, we think people still have an interest in this. Um, 
like you were just saying, they want to believe. So let's give them something to believe in. Mm-hmm. They knew making it a legitimate sport again wasn't the solution. Um, but they knew that people like drama. And so they started to work with characters. They started to work with angles and they started to, to make it a little more theatrical. And if you're going to do that, you've got to determine the endings ahead of time, because if the match doesn't go your way to make it a satisfying story, then it's just that unsatisfying Mm -hmm. and it's going to turn the crowds away. And so um, despite all of the, the articles and the, and the word of mouth going around that it wasn't legit, clearly you still had people that weren't sure, or like you said, they didn't want to believe it, or maybe they did believe it and just didn't care. Um, but this was kind of what started to make it a little more popular again, the gold dust trio. And you hear that name gold dust. And so, you know, uh, Dustin Reynolds, Dustin Rhodes paying some tribute there as well. Um, so, uh, without these three guys, you know, Vince gets a lot of credit and he deserves it, but without these three guys, who knows if there would have been an industry for Vince to to help explode in the 80s yeah um to take over if you will that's really what he did um but yeah so you you had them kind of getting everything started and of course then the popularity grew uh people did start to really really get behind uh professional wrestling and then more and more companies territories however you want to refer to it promotions uh popped up all over the country because it was like hey these people are making some money there's a business opportunity here or it could have been people that were in that promotion that branched off you know that got started hey i can do this but i'm on the east coast so i'm gonna go over there and do it because nobody's doing it over there yeah Um, you didn't have worldwide coverage yeah like tv coverage really wasn't a big thing I mean, TV wasn't a thing for yeah. some of this. TV didn't even exist for a lot of this. Um, and so, you know, the only people who saw you were the people who lived near where you were doing your thing. So if, if you were on the West Coast and you could go to the East Coast and do your own thing, and maybe people there hadn't seen anything like this at all. They didn't yeah. even know it existed. Um, I would like to point out a lot of people uh, jumped down Vince's throat for sports entertainment. Oh, he, he doesn't call it wrestling as sports entertainment. That phrase was coined in 1935 by a sports columnist in Toronto named Lou Marsh. And he didn't, he didn't say sports entertainment. He called it sportive entertainment. That was how he defined wrestling in one of those columns that was kind of like, yeah, this isn't what you think it is. Um, So that phrase goes back a long time before Vince ever um, uttered. uh, I don't know how, how old was Vince wasn't born then um no not quite <laughs> no no Vince wasn't I had to think for a second um yeah so before Vince was even born uh sportive entertainment was coined uh in a newspaper by Lou Marsh yeah because I mean and we talk about how you know they were sitting there saying hey this isn't quite legitimate and that is a lot because I mean because you think it's like well who would care it's like but we mentioned people like to bet on this that was one mm-hmm. of the big things There's a lot of money changing hands either through the promoters or just you know a group of guys who are fans come together and there's like, Hey, I bet you he's going to win. There would be a lot of money going in between and changing hands over these sporting events, which happened not just uh, to be fair, as we know today, it's not just 
wrestling. I'm sure boxing at the time, because boxing was around, same thing was happening. There were bets going on that. Golf has been around for forever. Just about any kind of sporting event where it's a competition, people were laying money down and odds to -hmm. see who would win. So that's why you had investigative journalists, whether they be in sports or whatever, that were kind of trying to explore that and, and see, you know, is this legit? Are, you know, is this something that could be considered illegal? Uh, which obviously was not considered illegal. Uh, and I think because of, you know, they did find out it is, as he said, sport of entertainment. Um, but as we found today, people will bet on anything. It doesn't even have to be legit. Because they, I mean, yeah, they I, they lay odds to WrestleMania and the matches and pay per views now, and right. we know full well it's predetermined. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, and that's fine. And I think the issue was that if you're going to bet on it, you have to know what you're betting on. Yes, if, if you're betting on it as though it's a legitimate competition, I'm going to pick Braun Strowman every time. Yeah, because he's yeah monster right? among men. He's huge, right? But if I bet on it knowing that it's not a legitimate competition, then I'm coming at it from a more fair perspective, and I can look at it from a writing perspective, not a who would actually win this fight perspective. I think it was a matter of just fairness more than anything. At least that's how I see it. Yeah, they were look. I think they were looking at more of just pure honesty. It's like mm-hmm. they have they're hiding something, so it has to be devious. That is, I think, how it got labeled, and that's why a lot of those writers did write like that. Now, so let's see, we're in the 30s now. Um, yeah, things don't change for a while after that. Yeah. I mean, things pretty much go as we know them for a long time there, and you've got more characters coming in. Your gorgeous Georges, mm-hmm. um, who is a, another huge star, um, leading into your Ric Flair's and your Hulk Hogan's. Um, so for, for decades, that was the state of wrestling. Um, no one ever admitted it was anything. No one in the business ever admitted it was anything but legitimate. Um, fans, depending on who you were, your age, whatever, uh, mm-hmm. you either questioned it or you didn't. Um, what about you? When did you, did you always know, or did you figure it out at some point? I, and I was going to bring this up as we got to that part of the time period, but you know, that's fine. Um, for me, cause I remember, cause again, we, we're tied together. At least I'm tied to you with my fandom of wrestling. Yeah. Um, I mean, I found wrestling independently, but then we became friends. You were a wrestling fan. And that fueled my passion for it. Cause I had someone else to talk to and enjoy it with. Cause I didn't know anybody else that was into it. My family, right. not into it. Um, but yeah, again, starting out, I knew, I mean, I thought it was real. I was a total mark for it. I would say, by the time we got to high school, I accepted the fact that it was it was predetermined. It was staged. Um, but I still would get caught up. And, I, and as a fan, that's what I love. And even to this day, that's what I really enjoy when there's a really good match or a really good story is I get lost in it. Yeah. I, I forget for 15 20 minutes in a good match that this person is probably who's going to win because that's what the writing says it should be Uh, and we've talked about this in matches that's what we love when you think oh oh, maybe that's not going to happen how i think it's going to happen it makes you it sucks you in but yeah i would say by the time i was 15 okay i know 
for for me, I figured it out probably in 1988. So I was I was around 10. And here's here's what happened. I went to a house show with uh, my best friend at the time. His name was Josh. I was living in Illinois. And uh, I remember it was main evented. Randy Savage was a champion. He was defending against Ted DiBiase. It was a great show. This was in St. Louis. We lived in Illinois, but we drove two, two and a half hours to St. Louis to see this house show. And um, maybe two days later, maybe even the next day, Josh went with his family to a house show, uh, I think in Springfield, Illinois. Mm-hmm. It was the same show with the same matches with the same results. Ah, and so at that point, I was like, ah, starting to it. put some chinks in the <laughs> yeah. armor. Yeah. But, you know, I, I didn't care. And I, I, oh, I didn't admit it either. Like, I didn't admit that. Oh, I, no, 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 no. And I was going to bring that up because I have distinct memories of conversations coming up um, when we were in high school. This is later in high school. So around 94, 95, mm-hmm. around my senior year. And like the internet had kind of just become a thing to where yeah. people had it at home. And I remember I would like read something and you're like, ah, oh, it's BS. It's not, you know, cause it, they yeah. don't, no, it's, it's real. They don't, they don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And we had a few tiffs over it. I will say um, nothing bad, you know, no, not, not, you know, ruining a friendship or nothing, but you know, those little, I hate stage. No, it's not. <laughs> You know, yeah. that kind of well, thing. T- to me, it was something people used to make fun of this thing that I love. And that's true. And that's true. A lot of people used it as a huge negative. It's like, how can you like that? You know, it's fake. Right. And it's like, well, you watch movies, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like your mom, you know, is at home every day at one o'clock to watch Days of Our Lives or whatever and is yeah. sucked into that. It's like, what's the difference? Right. There is none. There really is none. It's just entertainment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I, I didn't like, and that's the power of, of entertainment too. You know, you love something so much, you will defend it um, to, to keep people from, from attacking it. And, and that's what it was. And so I wonder how, how many other people did a lot of the same thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it be in the thirties or, or now, now, now um, it, it's not really looked at as a negative uh, to, to people outside who don't watch it it is um but like inside if you're a fan nobody cares yeah yeah really they don't not anymore i mean i've got a couple of friends that'll still send me a message every now and again it's like ah you're still watching that wrestling huh and i'm just like you just don't get it yeah you, you but they're not fans it. that's yeah, what they're I'm not saying. fans yeah they're not yeah. fans the fans don't care and so yeah. uh the reason i brought that up is because it was after i started to figure it out on it was february 10th 1989 that Vince McMahon admitted to the New Jersey Senate that wrestling is predetermined. Mm-hmm. And he did this to avoid taxes and regulations. Mm-hmm. And the, it's, yeah, from the commission. Sporting and, commissions. Yes. And uh, it was saving him like $400,000 a year or something like that. In Which at the time is huge yeah. money. Yeah. And that's when he started to use the, the term sports entertainment. And it was the first time anyone in the business with any real clout, at least, mm-hmm. um, had admitted that wrestling was anything but what they presented it to be. And it was a huge deal, and a lot of people didn't like it. Yeah. Um, very true. And and he would even, and then, of course, we're jumping another 10 years 
ahead of that, he would later have a very famous promo before an episode of Raw where yeah. he just freely admits it to the world because this yeah. this was to the Senate. This was behind closed doors. Obviously, right. you know, writers and newspapers and news outlets carried some of this, but the average person may not read anything about it. Right. At the that time. promo, that promo, we'll get to that because there's something that happens before that mm-hmm. that leads into it. Um, something that did happen as a result of admitting to the Senate that the wrestling wasn't real is that they they no longer had to pay those those regulation fees. And not only Vince, nobody, yeah. nobody in the wrestling business had to do it. And while promoters, a lot of other promoters accused him of killing the business by doing this, what it did is it opened the door and independent wrestling became a thing. Yeah. Because now people who weren't rich could afford to start their own wrestling promotions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, people don't talk about that a lot. They don't talk about the fact that Vince is to thank. Yeah, it actually had a, a, a big upside. As much as you sit there and say he had to admit to the Senate, oh, that's a negative thing because he had to admit that it's it's predetermined. But the other side is it made it way more profitable yeah. and way more ac- accessible to um, people who wanted to start promotions in their territory where they yeah. didn't have wrestling. And the territory system had almost pretty much gone away mm-hmm. by that point. And so now this created the new the new age version of that, yes. which was independent wrestling and and ECW, for example. ECW. Paul, I don't think Paul Heyman would have been able to start ECW if we still we <laughs> yeah. if they still would have had all those regulations to deal with. Yeah, because I mean, that'd be so much more money because we know through the history of ECW, I mean, they were running on shoestring budgets most of the yeah. time. Uh, Vince was helping him. Yeah, Vince I was mean, giving him money. Yeah, he was on the, he was on the payroll. Yeah, essentially. Well, he was paying ECW because I mean, yeah. Paul said he's like, he's like, I never took a dime from WWE or Vince, but Vince paid it to the company to help the company. Right. Um, so and, he was short on money anyway. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, of course, by this time, you know, we're kind of down as far as mainstream, you pretty much were at, at this point in WA slash WCW and, and WWF mm-hmm. in 89. Um, and then again, like say, then as, as a result of this, then we had people like ECW pop up, Smoky um, Mountain, Smoky Mountain. Um, yeah. and just, you know, there, I think, uh, in Roanoke, uh, for years there, I don't know if it's still around, but there was like a a small little promotion that was an offshoot mm-hmm. that uh, Boogie Woogie, Jimmy uh, Valiant. Yeah. Because he's yeah. got his Just wrestling a- school up around here somewhere in right. uh, uh, in Northern Virginia and um, then uh, and his little promotion mm-hmm. around the area that they still do shows every now and then. Yeah. Um, or like uh, when I was, um, I can't remember, did you come? I can't remember if you came with us or not. When I was a DJ in Bluefield and they had that show and it was an independent company. I think Boogie was a part of it. It might've been his company actually. Um, and well, like Lodi was there and uh, Barbarian. And, yeah. I, oh, oh, I was there. I was there. Our friend Nathan was there. That's right. Nathan. Our friend Drennan was there. And I remember this very well, Tim, because <laughs> we made sure you were the biggest heel of the night oh that's right because right. <laughs> <laughs> because you got in the ring to do something i got to announce show. i got to announce the main event 
yeah. with the radio station. <laughs> and um, what happened when they announced you? What happened? You booed. We booed. Yes. <laughs> loudly. Very loudly booed me. But that's okay. Hey. From the front row. It's okay. If you're getting a reaction, yep. you're doing what you're supposed to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> if it had been crickets, I'd have been like, okay, no one cares. But hey, you might have made some other people go like, man, this guy must be a real dick. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I remember that well. I remember that fondly. I remember I remember a horrible not to to get off subject. I remember a horrible spot during that show. Remember oh, the remember guy I, I want... that hit the because it was in a, a gymnasium, like a school gymnasium yep. with the bleachers that pull out from the wall. Yep. And somebody did a spot and I guess was supposed to go through a table and missed it and hit the the side of the bleachers and it was like, oh yeah, right I remember he jumped from the balcony he yes. went up to the second floor had his opponent laying on the table for like 12 and a half minutes while he yep. got up there <laughs> <laughs> i guess maybe new jack stabbed him or something when we weren't looking to keep him down for that long yeah um but jumped i i don't remember the bleachers one of us is remembering it right or wrong but i i remember him missing or maybe just hitting the edge of the table and kind of flipping and landing splat on the concrete. It was bad. I remember yeah. that. I remember what you were talking. Whatever happened there, it, it didn't land. And um, I think I think what it was is he had the table set up next to where the bleachers were pulled out because people were sitting in those bleachers to watch yeah. the show. And when he jumped, he kind of misjudged it or kind of slid after he hit him on the table and then slammed the bleachers and then hit the ground. Yeah. Like kind of all in one big move. It was, it was just bad though. It was like, Oh yeah. God. Well, and with independent wrestling came something that we've not really talked about on this show. We've never really had a reason to talk about it. Backyard wrestling. Yes. Um, and that was kind of always a thing, but it really got a lot of attention. The bigger independent wrestling got because suddenly everyone thought they could be a wrestler. Yeah. And it's like, well, we don't have promotion. Well, me and my friends, we're going to throw some mattresses and some ropes around something. And we're going to get in there and write our own stories and do our own matches. And we even got in on this craze at one point when we were younger. Um, Nothing to the level I've seen others get to. There are some backyard promotions that have fans that show up to watch the shows. And And we never did anything crazy. either. No, no, nothing Nothing worse than like an elbow drop or something yeah. like that. It was, yeah. Nothing, nothing too bad, but, um, but yeah. So, but anyway, getting back to our, our, our kayfabe. Yeah. So we had the explosion there with uh, independent wrestling being able to really be a viable option for people, um, yeah. which kind of goes into, as we mentioned, ECW kind of the farm system for talent for the big two. Mm-hmm. Um and then we get into the 90s and we start to see the business change a lot as far as how it's presented with its characters. Because, yes. um, I mean, if you've seen any of the documentaries uh, on network or whatever, uh, talking about the history of WWF, WCW, ECW, any of them, uh, the business was in that where everybody, like your character was basically a profession. People were professions. 
there's the you know duke the dumpster drozy the trash guy doink the clown uh isaac yankum the dentist so on and so forth t.l um, hopper the wrestling plumber yes t.l yep. <laughs> and then whatever the hell mantar was uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or bastion booger <laughs> yeah same guy though right mantar and bastion, no, booger. Uh, bastion booger was the same guy as uh friar ferguson Ah, who was Mantar? Um, Mantar, I think that was his only character in the WWF. I think he did some stuff elsewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of another pro- pro- profession. <laughs> Friar Ferguson came Friar in. Ferguson. He would sprinkle holy water on the fans. <laughs> that didn't last long. No, no, that's. <laughs> we're not going to get into why that's really bad. <laughs> How that would never fly in today's culture. <laughs> it's crazy that Bastion Booger was a step up. Yes. <laughs> that, was, that was that was improvement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, so but then we we kind of got into the where they started to present the performers a little more real as far mm-hmm. as using, you know, their well we say real names, and some of them did use their real names, but they were their stage names. Yeah, they names like. that could be real names if they weren't their actual real names. Like Scott Hall as opposed to Reza Ramon. You know? Right, right. <laughs> one is obviously a character name. The other right. one you could say, okay, that's a guy's real name. That's yeah. no problem. Yeah, like Shawn um, Michaels was not Shawn Michaels' real name, no. but it could have been. Yeah. And, yeah, but I will say – Good choice for the stage name because the heartbreak kid Michael Hickenbottom just doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> it doesn't. It's hard to hard to fit that on a shirt. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But um things but got yeah. more real though. Yes. They got more real. And when they got really real was on November 9th, 1997, when Shawn Michaels took on Bret Hart mm-hmm. in Montreal. Yes. The Montreal uh, screw job. Yes. And yes. this changed wrestling. If you're listening to this, you've heard about the Montreal Screwjob more than likely. So yeah. we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. Um, if you don't know, if you saw this and said, oh, cool. Um, these guys are talking about real versus fake wrestling. I'm going to listen to this and I don't really know much about wrestling for you. Um, Montreal, uh, by the way, thanks for listening. If that's yes, you, thank you for listening. Um, yeah, I hope you come back. Um, <laughs> if that's you, what happened is we had this main event match on a pay per view between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. It was supposed to end one way, Bret Hart was supposed to retain his WWF championship, but he was leaving the company. Vince McMahon, the owner of the WWF, was afraid that he would leave with the title, and so he changed the ending of the match without telling Bret Hart. So that uh, they they changed the ending to make it look like Bret Hart submitted and lost his championship title to Shawn Michaels. Um, it was a huge deal. It changed everything. And one of the things it did, it was so obvious to longtime fans what had happened there is that, and it, it was so obvious that they really couldn't pretend anymore. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't sit there and say, oh yeah um we didn't know this was going to happen um because mm-hmm. and just to elaborate a little bit on the story basically bret hart before this prior to this had signed what was it, like a 20-year deal with right. wwf yes. for x amount of dollars and uh, i guess earlier in the year because bret was in the midst of his title run here, it was about a year before a year before he came back at the previous year survivor series 1996 yeah um 
but then I guess, you know, we get about six months out of Survivor Series and, and Vince is like, I, I don't know that we can honor this deal. I don't know that we're making enough money because they were kind of struggling because mm-hmm. at this point, um, WCW was in full swing and we're taking talent and we're kicking butt. Yeah. They were NWO basically was big. Yeah. NWO was big and WWFE. I can't remember if we've switched from F to E at this. No, point. it was, it was definitely F at that time. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they were, they were getting hammered and there was a lot of people thinking that they might not last. Yeah. That they might have to go out of business. So he, he went to Brett and he's like, I cannot do this um, for this money. And it was only a few weeks out from Survivor Series. Oh, only a few weeks out. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it was only um, a few weeks out. Yeah. And they negotiated and, 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 you know, and they came to a business understanding and Brett was like, okay, well, you know, WCW is offering me this money and for my family and for my own well-being, I, I can't turn this down. It's millions of dollars. He wanted to though. He told Vince, he said, convince me to stay. Yeah. Make, I want to stay here. And Vince just couldn't come back with anything. Yeah. He just couldn't come up with something that they could both agree on. So Brett was going to leave and they were sitting there going back and forth. Brett uh, didn't want to drop the belt to Sean. Um, they had personal animosity behind the scenes. It's very well documented. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, at this time, Sean Michaels, you know, he's had his demons. He was a completely different person than he is nowadays. Yeah. Um, uh, and did some, some shady, shady things. And said some bad things. And too. said some really bad things. And yeah. So they they he didn't want to drop it to Sean, um, especially not in Montreal, not in Canada, not where in he's Canada, from. Where yeah, he's from. and a lot of people are like, "Well, would an American champion not want to refuse to drop it in America?" You you got to realize that there are shows in America all the time. Shows in Canada were not as common. Yeah, and so when the Canadian fans went out to the show, you know they they wanted it to be something that they wanted to see. And that's not something that they wanted to see is that because yeah. Brett was a legitimate hero in Canada. Yes. Like that is not an overstatement. He was, and still is considered, considered a, a huge, huge star and, and hero to many people in Canada. Yeah. I mean, at the time you could say he was, he was like Michael Jordan level. He was, you know, that that's the level, what they, the pedestal that they had him on was like, he was like the Michael Jordan of wrestling in Canada. He was the guy. Yeah. And a lot of people looked up to him. Uh, and like I say, he was a hero to many kids, adults, everything in Canada. So that's why he didn't want to drop it there. And he didn't want to drop it to Sean, but he even said, I'll drop it the next day. Yeah. But because of what had happened prior with Alundra blaze, uh, and her throwing the WWF women's championship in the trash live on nitro, um, Vince had fears. And I mean, legitimate fears even though he should have trusted brett because i don't think brett would have done that i don't think so either there was a time when brett was intercontinental champion that he was talking about leaving um so maybe that played into it a little bit but that was a long time before this and and brett had grown as a performer and as a professional yeah but and then you know vince is just trying to in his mind, protect his business and his venture. So we get to the match uh, from what we've heard. It's supposed to, you know, Shawn Michaels puts him in a sharpshooter and then Brett's supposed to reverse it. Yeah. And Uh, it's supposed to go on for a few more minutes and end in disqualification. Yeah. Instead, McMahon comes down to ringside, makes Hebner call for the bell as Shawn has Brett in the sharpshooter, even though he's quite out. Because at the time it happens, Brett's, you know, trying to do the power out 
from the yeah, other he, side he's, to reverse. He's pulling Sean's foot yeah. to, to to counteract the leverage and to break the hold. He, and he does. He breaks the hold. And but then the bell is rung and the rest, so to speak, is history. Now, a lot of people you may have seen footage when they talk about this of Brett, you know, he he goes around, he's trashing ringside, he spits at Vince McMahon. They all destroys monitors, um, stands on the ropes and takes his finger and pantomimes WCW to Mm -hmm. let everybody know. Now that wasn't originally shown on the feed. No, no. the the feed cut out very, very quickly. Yes. After the match ended. But as we said, this kind of led to this promo that Vince came out before raw. And uh, he basically said, you know, I think the audience, he said, we are in the business of entertainment. That's what this is. It's entertainment. And we, he said, you are tired of having your intelligence insulted. Yeah. Uh, So he basically to the world announced, no, this is entertainment. This is predetermined. Um, This is a show much like any other entertainment product is. And And he he couldn't avoid, I mean, he didn't have to go that direct a route, but they, after the screw job, they could no longer reasonably pretend that it wasn't predetermined. Um, and so this was December 15th, 1997 that he did this. So less wow. than a month after the Montreal screw job. And it was also part of a plan to take their company in a new direction as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of backlash from, from wrestling superstars at this. I remember specifically Ric Flair uh, even had words. He's like, well, Vince just completely killed the business. Like he has yeah. destroyed professional wrestling. Um Obviously, that it wasn't true. I know at the time that might have been what he thought, but Ric Flair was sure. brought up, you know, to be very protective, to protect that kayfabe. Yep. I mean, there's been lots of stories. And I, I, again, I'll call out the rise and fall of ECW uh, documentary mm-hmm. and talking about a storyline with Sandman. Uh, and Paul was like, yeah, there was this thing between Sandman and Dreamer and it's like he got caned in one eye and then like a fireball thing or something in the other eye. And, and Sandman was blind uh, in kayfabe. And that man didn't leave his house. His yeah. wife would answer the door. He wouldn't go out in public for a couple months until they got the payoff to where he wasn't blind. He made his comeback and he beat the crap out of Tommy Dreamer. Um, but I mean, that's the level these performers would go. Um the, the heels and faces would not be seen together in public. Yeah. Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Iron Sheik got pulled over and arrested for drugs, riding in a car together. And they were fired for it. Yeah. And it wasn't for the drugs. No. <laughs> it was because... Because drugs and wrestling... <laughs> yeah. They were hand in because, hand at one point. <laughs> yeah. Duggan was a face and the Sheik was a heel. And they and it became a very widely spread story mm-hmm. in, in the public. And having a face and a heel caught together, not good. The million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, they, they paid for him to have that lifestyle so that when he was seen in public, he was wearing the expensive watches. He was sh- pulling up to places in limousines. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the, everything they could do to maintain the illusion in public, even when a show wasn't going on, they did. Yes. Um, and then the, the other side as well, I remember very famously, um, Vader, uh, had an interview and I think this was at, on a European market. Maybe I don't think it was us yeah. based mm-hmm. and you know, they had 
with much most interviews that you kind of go over what questions you're going to have. It's usually not a big surprise what you're going to be asked, so you can prepare for it. And the interviewer kind of went off script and he called wrestling fake. And I want to believe say that like his collarbone got broken because Vader grabbed him and kind of threatened him. I don't know about injuries, but he definitely roughed him up. Yeah, yeah. He roughed him up a bit. And I think Taker was on the same interview. I think it was Taker and Vader and Taker just kind of yeah. sat there like, Oh crap. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and Dr. D David Schultz in the eighties slapped the living crap out of John Stossel from 2020. Oh yeah. Uh, for asking a similar question um hulk hogan put richard belzer in a front face lock to demonstrate that the wrestling holds were real and he passed out uh and sued hogan and sued hogan because he fell and and hit his head after hogan let him go i don't know that hogan intended to make him pass out but i i I do know he intended to show him that the hold was real yeah um i mean if you don't know because richard belzer not exactly a household name dude was 110 pounds soaking wet. He was a skinny yeah. beanpole looking guy. Yeah. Um, As was John Stossel. So getting yeah. smacked across the face by Dr. D um, didn't feel good. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, they, they put themselves in legal jeopardy sometimes mm-hmm. to maintain the illusion that wrestling was real. And by the way, you're not going to hear me and probably not Tim either describe it as fake because no. I don't think that's an appropriate word. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think, think you were a wrestling fan would think it's an appropriate word. No, because to me, again, I've, I've made this this analogy before. It's like a really good dancer team. You know, it's thought out. Yes. And yes, the winners are predetermined, but it's not fake because if it was fake, we wouldn't have nearly as many injuries as we have. Right. Um, there are people that have and have died in the ring. Mm mm-hmm. um, due to circumstances either surrounding the business or in actual matches there have been yeah. you know people having heart attacks and stuff due to the strenuous activity they're doing have so, you seen the iron sheik try to walk yeah i mean i mean look at mcfoley now yeah and the surgeries had have on his hips kevin nash's continued surgeries on his knees yep um Hogan can't do a leg drop anymore. Yeah. He had to stop doing the leg drop because it destroyed his his hips yeah so i mean doing it every night yeah what they do is dangerous. Um, yeah. They are trained professionals for the most part. Again, we mentioned backyard wrestling and stuff like that. And some I'm going to actually come back around to that in a second too. Yeah. yeah. Um, they are trained professionals. So they're, you're trained when you're learning the business, how to take a bump, which again, if you're not up on terminology, a bump is like a spot, like a slam, how to land, how to take fall. a move, how to fall. To um, minimize your risk of, of injury. Of injury. Um, yeah. So that you protect yourself and the other performers you're working with. But that's what it does. It minimizes it. It doesn't eliminate it. No. And the things that they do hurt. Yeah. It's just like football players wear pads to minimize injury, but you get injuries all the time. Yeah. Football still, a, you know, I mean, it's a legitimate sport as far as non-competition competition. As competition is concerned. Right. But. You know, you would never say football is fake. No. Because they because wear pads. They wear, yeah, and, and they protect themselves. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and and I think another consequence, um, maybe a, a big consequence that we're still feeling today, and some people love it, and some people hate it. I hate it. <laughs> is um, when Vince admitted this to the audience, I think it opened the door for less realistic presentations of True. professional wrestling. And so now you're getting, you know, a, a triple Lutz 450 through 
five tables into a fire pit um, and then a kick out at one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, we wouldn't have seen that before Vince admitted that because that doesn't protect the business. No, no, you're right. Yeah. I think, I think, I don't think that is the only thing that led to us getting that stuff, but I think it's a big proponent in it. Um, yeah. I don't think we would have it. if Vince Yeah. We wouldn't it. have it if yeah. that hadn't happened. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, because now, yeah, you have matches that are, and again, different strokes, different folks. Some people love it because they just love that fast pace, 90 miles an hour from the get go, you know, leg slapping 400 super kicks. Um, like slapping like 14 tope suicidos to the outside you know kind i want of to make thing. a hee-haw reference of some sort but i can't <laughs> i can't quite make it work in my brain <laughs> but um but yeah so partly because they don't have to protect the business anymore partly because as promoters in their mind it's like we've got to up the ante of excitement and bigger moves equal excitement to a lot of people except um, you get to a point where you can't go bigger that's and right. So then what do you do? You box yourself into a corner yeah. and then we get people trying even crazier stunts, which have resulted in injuries yeah. uh, and matches that we probably shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it also results in, in the audience becoming bored with yeah. the presentation because if, you know, Vince McMahon, Vince, if Shane McMahon jumps off, you know, the, the top of Madison square garden and then, you know, doesn't want to jump off a higher building, what do you do? What do you do? And the fans are going to be like, well, who cares about a power slam now? Yeah. Why do I care that Shane McMahon's in a match if I'm not going to see that super high spot? And how's right. he going to top the last one? Right. And so without th- that, that is a result of the lack of kayfabe now, because they wouldn't have done stuff like that in the eighties because it's not believable. Yeah. And it would, it, it absolutely exposes the business now if you were paying attention close enough in the 80s you know you would still see little things that oh, yeah. were believable but nothing so grand and nothing so obvious as the stuff that we see today well and and, and like um not to to call it back out again but that ecw documentary yeah uh he talks about also during that storyline with Sandman and, and Tommy dreamer where he gets his eyes blinded for one of the first times we saw the cameras backstage, not in a promo segment. And like there were other wrestlers kind of huddled around Sandman and Tommy dreamers like, I didn't mean to do it. Oh my God. And it was like, and we didn't really see that a lot. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't something that we knew was like a promo with an interviewer and somebody, you know, well, well you know, you know, brother, you know, kind of thing going on. You didn't see a lot of that backstage stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was peeling back the curtain a little bit, but also protecting because they wanted you to think it's real. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Looks what, look what's happened. That, yeah. that wasn't supposed to happen because they would never show this, right. uh, kind of thing. Um, it just popped in my head. I'm not quite sure why, but <laughs> yeah, well, no, but, it's good. It's good. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of where we are today though, as far yes. as, as how kayfabe has evolved and, you know, it, I don't know that it's completely gone though. No, I, th- I think it's largely gone, but it kind of depends on where you are. I think it depends on, you know, your, again, where you're, at, where you're at viewing the product, how you want to consume it. Um, like we said earlier, it's like, you know, I'll be watching a good match and even I will push it out of my head instinctively because it helps me enjoy the match more to make it feel like it's 
there's something more important there that I don't know what's going on. Uh, and like you've talked about with Sasha Banks in the ring, making things different. So it's not as we, as you've brought up vacuum wrestling, where it's like, right. I know exactly what's coming next. I know if I know it, why doesn't the other guy know right. it? So obviously because we've it makes seen the same sequence over and over and over. So it makes it feel more staged yep. and rehearsed as, as opposed to kind of spontaneous and the, you know, anything can happen kind of mentality. Um, there are also some cultures though, that still won't really acknowledge that it's worked. Yeah. Um, like really in Japan, I mean, they know, and they know that the audience knows, but they're still not going to say it the same in Mexico. Really? They yeah, still no. won't admit it out loud. Um, in following all the, the girls from stardom that I do on social media, I still don't see them taking pictures with their rivals or mm-hmm. or anything like that there's still and and it is booked in such a way that the results feel a little less storyline driven and a little more realistic where you know talking about unagi sayaka has been going through the seven match trial in a booked story she probably would win one um in reality if she really was that new facing all these veterans she probably wouldn't yeah. And so we're not done with that yet as of this recording that, that we still have a couple matches to go in that. So I'm curious to see which way they go with it. Will they go with a little more storyline driven or make it feel a little more realistic and have her lose every one of these. So, um, and, and still in Mexico, you're never going to see a masked wrestler without a mask in public. Yeah. I mean, th- there have been literal death threats for that sort of thing happening in Mexico. And I remember what a big deal it was with some of the unmaskings that happened on Nitro. Yeah. Ray right. Mysterio wrestled yeah. without a mask. Hooventude. Yeah. Um, Psychosis. Yep. Some big, big names. It was a big deal for them to unmask uh, and, and be shown on TV not wearing their mask. Because to my knowledge, since he's been in WWE, Ray has never not had the mask on. He's always had it. In WWE. He's had somebody rip it off him, but he's protected his face. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's never shown of. his face on WWE television. Yeah. So, I mean, Unmasked. that's that, that you can see where that's such a huge deal. He lost an uh, eye. Didn't yeah. And, mask, though, and grew back. Speaking of kayfabe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So I have a question for you. Okay. Would you prefer to go back? Would you prefer to believe again? Or do you like it better knowing? Oh, that is such a good question now because I get a lot of my enjoyment from the product now um, because of the interworkings backstage, because I know the politics and, and the drama that happens behind the scenes from a production standpoint, from a writing standpoint. A lot of that intrigues me and I get a lot of enjoyment from that and figuring out, you know, how would I book that? You know, that kind of fantasy booking. But the fan in me of just wrestling in general would love to go back. I would love to go back and have that feeling of just that joy and that heightened tension when my favorite is wrestling somebody and either is losing and I get so upset that it's like, ah, you know, whatever, or elated with joy when they win. Um, I would love that feeling back, but oh, I don't know. It's such a, that's a tough one. That's a very, very tough question for me. I definitely enjoy wrestling in a different way, mm-hmm. knowing that it's predetermined. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it 
more in a sense when I didn't know. So for example, in 2016, when Sasha and Charlotte were going back and trading the belts back and forth, the belt right. back and forth, they traded it six times mm-hmm. in 2016, the raw women's championship. It was the women's championship at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have loved, I, I would have felt better about that if I didn't know it was predetermined ah. because when, when Charlotte won that last match that I drove seven hours <laughs> in the stands and watch um, when she won that, knowing that it was a sign that Vince wasn't running with Sasha was so disheartening. But if I didn't know that it was predetermined, I would have thought, well, maybe next time, you know, <laughs> but yeah. I knew it wasn't going to be next time. Not yet. And it wasn't, it was four years before Sasha won a, won and defended a title. It took four more years after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I also love entertainment, all forms of entertainment, movies, television, yeah. music. Um, and I love the creative process. So I, I appreciate that side of it. And I love being able to see these performers as creators, as artists, because that is what they are. Whether people want to admit that or not, they are artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like appreciating them on that level too. So, you know, there's there's... There, there are pluses and minuses to this whole thing. Um, yeah. And as an adult, I wouldn't want to be so, <laughs> so uneducated to think that it's, you know, it's not what it is. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm glad I'm intelligent enough to understand what I'm watching. Um, but it sure would be fun to, to believe again. Yeah, I agree. That's without having I mean. to force myself to do it. Yeah. Um, it would be cool, but I like because you mentioned the, the the Sasha and Charlotte thing. It's like it would have been very cool to have that mentality of of it being real and experiencing the Daniel Bryan rise to WrestleMania. Yeah, thinking that that's real and what a spectacle that would be. Yeah, and to think, oh my God, the odds he has overcame to to get there. And that's one of those prime examples of me watching a show and getting caught up. Yeah. And forgetting for a minute that it's predetermined and that yes, he's going to be Triple H. Yes, he's going to get put in the match. Yes, he's going to win because obviously that's what the crowd wants. You want to send them home happy and this is going to be a huge moment for the business. Um but outside of that, just the drama, the tension, everything was so great about that match. Uh, I remember marking out and actually called it like two hours before it happened at the WrestleMania where Rollins cashed in his money in the bank to make it a triple threat and then won the title I, on Facebook before the <laughs> match started. I I uh, was doing my predictions for the whole show, and that was one of my ones that he would cash in and make it a triple threat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he did. And when he came out, I totally marked out. I was like, yeah, yeah! <laughs> but partly because – I, in my head, I booked what would happen. It's like, cause I was like, man, if I was doing it, that's what I would do. That'd be a great way. We've never seen anything like that. It'd be awesome. And then yeah. I went with it. Yeah. Uh, but on the same token, if I was sitting there thinking everything is real, that would have been a jaw dropping moment Yeah. to see that at WrestleMania. So yeah, mm-hmm. definitely uh, pluses and minuses, pros and cons to both. Um, what about the talents? How should they approach it on social media, for example? Cause there's been some debate yeah, um, and, and some pushback from fans, like for, uh, especially with people like Alexa bliss 
and Bray Wyatt. Um, sometimes when they post something that's real, Alexa with her fiance or Bray right. Wyatt with his with his kid or whatever, some fans push back on them for breaking the illusion of these characters that they have. Do you think that's fair? Uh, I don't think it's fair that they get pushed back because again, I think that's fans being too intrusive. Uh, yeah. There has to be a line for privacy. And yep. now I think in an ideal and perfect world, if you're following Lexi Kaufman on Twitter, you're following Lexi. You're not following Alexa Bliss. So if she has a Twitter that's Alexa Bliss, that should be kayfabe. But okay. Lexi Kaufman, that's the real person. She should be able to post whatever the hell she wants. Yeah. If it relates to her life. Um, yeah. And I think that's where the separation should be. It shouldn't be on them to protect us as fans, as fans and um, just human beings in general. We need to learn to separate the line. Yeah. And understand that they're human beings too. They have lives. And and also keeping kayfabe constantly can affect them. Look at what we've learned from Sasha. Yeah. And how keeping kayfabe constantly caused her to lose herself. Yeah. And, and enter depression. Huge depression. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, so yeah, I think I don't think they deserve the pushback. I think there should be a more Again, in a perfect world, a more defined, like, here's my Twitter for my character. Here's my Facebook or Twitter for myself. Mm -hmm. And keep them separate. And there are some that do that. There are some that have that. But then there's a lot. I mean, we brought out, we brought up Alexa and Bray in particular. But, I mean, we see it all the time. Uh, With, you know, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, um, Randy Orton, Moxley, all of them you know they'll they'll tweet something and you're like oh is that and it'll be about the person that they're wrestling that week or in the program with for that month in that pay-per-view and it's like well okay that's obviously has to do with that but then they have something kind of somewhat related but not really (laughs) that they'll post and it's like okay which one is the one i'm supposed to think is part of the show yeah um so i think there do need to be a, a few clearer lines but again maybe they do it on purpose um as far as and, and again, you know, you never know what they're being told to tweet as opposed to what's now, obviously if Alexa Bliss is tweeting about like her and Ryan Cabrera uh, being on vacation or having, you know, a romantic evening, something, whatever, that's probably not someone from WWE saying, hey, I want you to post about your personal life. I don't think Vince is over there saying, I want some pics. Give me some yeah. pics. You need to put a pic up there. <laughs> Needs to be big chocolate, and I won't finish it. Uh, <laughs> Not you, Bray. Not you, Bray. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna puke. He's gonna puke. Yeah, that's that has great... nothing to do with this. <laughs> I know. I, I like my. That's how I hone in on my Vince impression. Ah, <laughs> got you. Today. He's gonna puke. Got uh, you. Got you. <laughs> so, and here, here's another question. We've at least I've talked a little bit about this before on the show. Considering everything we've talked about, mm-hmm. do you think wrestling should be referred to as a sport? that uh, not solely a sport no okay and i say that because to me when i think of a sport i think of actual competition Mm -hmm. now i don't use the term athletic in front of that because 
I believe uh, bowling is a sport. I believe playing pool is a sport. I can even believe playing poker is a sport because it's an actual competition. You are using your skills that you've honed, trained, whatever practiced to use to beat your competition. Whereas because of the nature of the writing and the predetermination of wrestling now, I don't think it's a sport. I think it's apt to call it sports entertainment because the athleticism is there, but it's entertainment. It's not competitive. So that's why I wouldn't label it just a sport. No. I've mentioned Mick Foley's take, which has really stuck with me, and I'll mention it again, that um, it's very much like a gymnastics competition or a figure skating competition in which you have two or more athletes going out, putting on a performance that was agreed upon ahead of time and then being judged and rewarded based upon their performance. Um, And so McFoley states, if gymnastics or figure skating is a sport, then by that same definition, maybe wrestling should be considered a sport as well. Cause that is kind of what they're doing. They're not getting a score of one out of 10 from judges sitting at ringside, but Vince McMahon, triple H, they're back there judging the performances and then rewarding them or not based upon what they see. So I don't, I don't know that there's a right answer. I'm just kind of throwing out uh, the, the argument for both sides. Cause I think it's an interesting debate. I don't, I don't know where I sit on it, to be honest. I wouldn't argue either way. Yeah. I could like, if you wanted me to play devil devil's advocate to make Foley's statement, mm-hmm. I would say, then you have to consider any job a sport. Cause they're getting paid. Yeah. The but there's but, but a gymnastics a performance, team performance aspect. True. But a gymnastics team doesn't get paid gymnastics team. They're, they're competing for medals and for rankings that can lead to the Olympics mm-hmm. and other big competitions. Uh, same thing with figure skating. Yeah. Um, whereas being rewarded at, with a higher monetary bonus or, higher spot on the card now mm-hmm. obviously yes the more talented you are the better you're going to be in the world of professional wrestling because if you don't have the athletic talent if you don't have the promo talent stuff like that you're not going to get tv time so there is an internal competition i feel obviously right. yeah. um for wanting to be the best to be the top guy to carry the company have the best matches and i think internally obviously they sit there or girl or girl again yes Male, female, performers in general, the top performer, um, that they have that mentality, okay, go follow that. That match yeah. I just did, go follow that. I just opened the pay-per-view. You're going to do better? Do better. Because if not, yeah. I'm going to be closing the pay-per-view next time because that was so damn good. You right. know, that kind of thing. That competition is there. But in the spirit of, again, sport competition, I wouldn't classify it that. And yeah. I don't think that – and I'm not saying that as a negative – I don't mean it is right. No. And that wasn't my intent behind the question either, because I don't think it really matters. Yeah. No, I, it does. I do I think, think it's an interesting question. Yeah. I think it's, it's a very awesome debate um, yeah. on that because you can argue both sides. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't affect my enjoyment of it, whether yeah. it's called a sport or not. I don't care. I, 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 I still do care about, you know, defending it and, and defending what these people do 
Yes. Um, the way that they risk themselves to, because number one, they're doing something they love and that's great for them. And number two, they're doing it to entertain us. Yes. Um, we, you and I had a common friend in high school um, and I was talking to her about wrestling one night over ICQ. Remember oh, that? God. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, she got really insulting about it and said that she didn't even consider them athletes. And um, let me tell you, Tim, I never spoke to her again. <laughs> wow. I was done because I t- to be fair, you know, I don't, I can't remember who we're talking about and I don't know. I'll tell you after. Yeah. I'll tell you after. I've talked to him. Yeah. Um, but um, y- you know, because I see myself in this, like I love this so much because somewhat represents who I am. And so if people are, are ragging on it, then they're ragging on me. Yeah. And I feel that way about comic books and I feel that way about certain movies and certain TV shows. Um, I put out, I put out a tweet yesterday. Hold on. I'm going to pull it up. Okay. Um, it was either yesterday or um, maybe even earlier. To, no, I think it was late last night and uh, I'll just read it. It says, I will straight up block people I've never spoken to based solely upon me seeing them talk trash about certain movies or TV shows. I would be fine never making another friend for the rest of my life. But if I do, it's not going to be with someone who shit posted about soul. <laughs> That's a good post. That's a good. Um, FYI, soul is a magnificent film. It absolutely is. Love and it. if you don't think so, I'm not going to be your friend. Yeah. So <laughs> line's been drawn, folks. <laughs> That's it. And it's soul. Um but yeah, and so it's just, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter if you see it as a sport, but these people really work hard and they put themselves on the line and they risk themselves for what, for what they do, kayfabe or not. It's, yes. it's a risk and it's difficult. Um, and so whatever side of that line you fall on, it doesn't matter as long as you just respect what they do. Yeah, because again, at the end of the day, they're performers, they're entertaining us, they're doing a job and uh if you enjoy what they're doing, appreciate it, love it, that's great. If it's not your cup of tea, that's fine. But as we always say to try and stay positive here on Positively Wrestling is don't drag someone else down just because you don't like it. Yeah. It's like there's no point in that. Like Different strokes, different folks. You like what you want to like, we'll like what we want to like, and we can all live in harmony. <laughs> what, what I have found funny over the years is that Fans know what wrestling is. Yes. The only people who don't seem to know are the people who are not fans and crap on the fans because they think we think it's real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but then if you start talking to them about it, they'll start to ask questions. They'll be like, well, are the title matches real? And then you'll start to realize they don't know. They just don't know. They, they're, they're on the outside looking in. Yeah. And, they and just... that would be fine if they weren't mocking us. Yeah. <laughs> Like if you if you want to ask like oh I got a friend of mine Brett, um, a friend of the show he listens he's not a huge wrestling fan. What's but... his last name and social security number? Okay, <laughs> no um, mm. <laughs> five 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 no, <laughs> uh, he lives in Astoria Lane. Um, no um, Brett who I used to work with, um, he loves UFC and he'd talk about that and then I'd talk about wrestling and he was like you know I've I've always kind of been interested but. He would have, he had tons of questions about the business and how the predetermination works, how the, how that factors in, like how do they decide? And I was like, well, that's that's a whole nother episode. There's right a lot there. to that, yeah. 
to uh, to talk about how the writing decisions and how that gets made and the politicking that goes on backstage and all that mess. Um, but as I would talk about it, he was entertained of me just talking about it. So he's kind of got a little side interest. So he listens to the show. Cool. Um, and I don't have your social security number, Brett. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't even. Well, I'm mad, do, but anyway, uh, no, <laughs> kidding, <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. Um, just ignore those charges. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so he may become, and I, it's like, I really, really want to get a time where me and Brett can hang out where I can show him like two or three matches to show him why I'm a fan. Yeah. Like three matches. Like if I was to encompass my fandom in three matches, this is the three matches I'd want you to see. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, so one day, hopefully, I'll get to do that. But there, that's that thing is like he didn't know, um, and I don't think Brett would have been one of those people that would make fun of wrestling fans because right. it was fake in the first place. Right. But even if he was or wasn't, it's because he didn't really know anything about it. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. That's where a lot of that comes from. Is they just all they think is, oh, wrestling's fake. You like wrestling? You like something that's fake? So that's obviously bad. Yeah. And that's how it gets determined. But it's yeah. just uneducation to the product itself. Yeah. And what it means to be a wrestling fan is where that comes from. And bringing up UFC is a good point, too, because, you know, we talked about how when professional wrestling was real, it was so boring. And UFC is kind of a real version of professional wrestling. But notice how they didn't keep it the same. They're like, okay, you can strike. And like, and yeah. like you can do things that, that spice it up a little bit. So, um, you, and they I, keep I very UFC MMA is really what I'm talking MMA. about. Um, yeah, but they have like shorter rounds. They've done yeah. a lot to make it a little bit uh, more palatable to yeah. watch and not be quote unquote boring. Yeah, um, I, I think at the end of it all, though, we all as fans, we still we want to be worked. Like we've been talking about, yeah. we want we want to believe again, even though we know um, we. I mean, people will still look for something to say oh i think i think they're shooting on each other right now or or a tweet that becky lynch puts out about ronda rousey or vice versa oh i think i think they're really mad yeah so they're mad at each other behind the scenes yeah 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 Uh, um the the brett sean stuff people people love that yeah because it was real um or at least as far as we knew it didn't start out as being real by the way People thought that they had real animosity in 1996 after WrestleMania 12, and they didn't. That was no. Brett working us. Yeah. Um, but it became real. That, as they say, they worked themselves into a shoot. That's the phrase. Um, I, I, and I think it's, you know, life imitating art. Yeah. That's another way to put it is that, you know, it happened and then it became a real thing. Yeah. Um, but it, anything that feels real, the fans cling to because we want to believe. Yeah. Taz and Sabu. In ECW, Taz has openly said, I couldn't stand him. He couldn't stand me. Yeah. But they worked very well together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you still have Sasha and Alexa, who we've heard don't get along behind the scenes. And then when they're across the ring from each other in a tag match or whatever, you will see people on Twitter pointing out little moves in the match and trying to blow them up into something that's real, even though they're both professionals and they're not shooting on each other, but fans want them to shoot on each other because they want it to be real. Yeah. Because I mean, in reality, it's like, if they did something that bad, one of them probably wouldn't have a job. Yeah. 
or would be, you know, the mascot of TL Hopper for the rest of their life. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, right. But yeah. So, but yeah, that's kayfabe. I mean, what, what's your final thoughts about kayfabe and, and where we are today? Um, I think I wouldn't like wrestling if it was real. I'm, I'm glad it's not because I like the creative aspect of it. Um, I, I do want to believe, but um, you know, I'm like, I'm like Fox Mulder. Mm-hmm. I want to believe, um, but I can still enjoy for what it is. Yes. And um, I respect and appreciate everyone who does what, what they do in the world of professional wrestling. Even if I'm not a huge fan of their work specifically, I still respect them for going out there for doing it. Um, Sergeant Slaughter almost got it. We didn't mention Sergeant Slaughter. He almost got himself killed protecting mm. kayfabe around yeah. the time of wrestlemania 7 he was getting legitimate death threats that's right because he he uh sided with uh iraq iraq yeah his character his not character him. did not his him character, the character yeah. was an iraqi sympathizer um, uh you know at the height of when we were having the tensions between u.s and iraq and yeah the gulf war and gulf war so you know they they literally literally would put their lives on the line to to keep kayfabe and if it, I'm glad for them. They don't have to do that anymore. So, right. you know, I, I will take the, the negatives that come with knowing what wrestling is in exchange for that. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and I, I feel the same way. I I'm glad that it's not real because yeah. I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. I think I would still enjoy it, but I don't know that I would be the fan that I am of it now. Um, to where I would want to sit there and do a podcast and talk about it. You know, I don't think I would be at that level. Well, we're not doing an MMA podcast. Well, that's true. Yeah. We are doing a professional wrestling podcast. Right. Um, Um, Cause I, I just, I don't have the urge to see people really trying to hurt each other. I just, yeah. And if you like UFC, that's fine. I'm not saying me personally, that's not what I, what I'm looking for. And so um, I'm, I'm sticking with the wrestling. Because I, I tell you, <laughs> I have uh, I don't watch a lot of UFC. I will catch a highlight here and there uh, for a big match, and I still cringe at knockouts. Yeah. I'm just like, oh man, yeah. Like, I can see where that'd be ex- it'd be exciting if you're a fan of UFC, but that's hard to watch for me personally. Sometimes see someone really get their jaw jacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and knock yeah. Out the which, F out. which we've seen in wrestling in the few shoot contests they've had, like the brawl for all. Oh yeah. So- and, That's uh, a, yeah, we didn't even Bart, touch uh, on Bart that. Gunn. Yeah, we didn't mention the brawl for all, but yeah, just go back and watch Bart Gunn get rocked by Butterbean at WrestleMania 15. That's yeah. that's my first memory of WrestleMania 15. That's the first thing I think of when I think of WrestleMania 15. Yeah, that's that is a that's a hard knockout to watch because it's yeah, yeah, and you so, can tell um, lights go out real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's memorable, but not something that I want to see um, often. Yeah. yeah. Goodness. But yeah, so that's our show about the evolution of kayfabe. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, I had a lot of fun talking about it. Um, it's uh, an aspect of the business that uh, people, a lot of people don't focus on for a length of time like we have here today. Uh, hopefully you learned something if you didn't really know what kayfabe was. Um, that's cool. But we hope you come back and listen to our other shows. Of course, our regular shows are on Wednesdays. Uh, they usually get uploaded at uh, 6 a.m. Eastern time on Wednesdays. Um, so you can listen to it anytime after that. Of course, we'll have our next show this upcoming Wednesday coming up. And uh, as we're on the road to WrestleMania, 
you know, it's getting big, big stuff. And we're going to have some special shows, hopefully coming up if everything works out. Um, any parting words, Steve? Uh, no, enjoy, enjoy wrestling for what it is. And, uh, you know, don't be ashamed of it or yourself as a fan. Yeah. Remember wrestling is not a dirty word. Um, it is to be enjoyed, but, uh, come back and listen to us again. Now again, if you want to follow us again, like share and subscribe, you can find us at plus wrestlecast on Twitter. That's P L U S wrestlecast. You can find me at Timothy K. You can find Steven at bizarro doom. You can even find us on Facebook. Just search for the positively wrestling podcast. We will see you shortly, very soon next week, right here on positively wrestling.